Hello, Internet, and welcome to another stimulating tale from Never Stay Dead. I'm your co-host, Matthew Derrigish, along with my other co-host, because that's how co-hosting works. I am Damien, also known as Sleepy Reader on YouTube. And um, today we're going to talk um, about one of Matt's picks. We're, by the way, we're at my house, face-to-face, which is the first time we've recorded this way. Um, both drinking ice water, clinking ice. If you hear that, that's just ice, not earthquakes. If you close your eyes, it's a nice gin and tonic. <laughs> uh, right. So this time I picked out for us to be reading, as I believe we previously said, uh, Matt Wagner's Trinity. So not the 52-issue event that DC did several years back, but an even older comic that was three i believe they were prestige i've never seen the actual yeah, i issues. believe there are three prestige um comics originally put out so probably early enough that they might may or may not have wanted to put out trades at the time but they do have a trade out of this right, right. and so i have the hardback and I, since i flew while reading it i took off the slip cover to avoid damaging that because i'm crazy like that i guess and so i'm just looking at a nice red hardback cover with trinity right indented on it and it looks like damien was cheating and reading digitally i read it on the evil digital platform of hoopla which is free from certain u.s libraries so i think i own <laughs> i own the prestige format ones too but i my boxes are still tucked away in a closet and i couldn't I was too lazy to dig them up, and Hoopla seemed easy, an easy route. And, and it read well digitally, I, th- I felt. But it appears you, or maybe you do. Uh, did you get the introduction from Brad Meltzer? I did, but I confess I didn't read it. So I did read the introduction, because if there's uh-huh. material and I'm going to be talking about a comic, I like to read the the matter. And if Can I, I may... back up just a second? Oh. Just in case some people don't know, Trinity refers to Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, not God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I hadn't Um, even considered that. (laughs) Because to a lot of people, if they're not familiar with DC Comics, they might not know that those three are commonly called the Trinity. So we're looking at a comic that kind of goes back to Matt Wagner's imagining of their first get-together, the three well, of them. In... I believe this book is what made them the Trinity. I don't. Is know this the they... first time they were called the Trinity? To my knowledge. Because okay. they later have had several DC monthly series called Trinity, I think. There was currently one, or did it get canceled? There's a, a Rebirth. There was one recently. Rebirth Trinity has been... Uh, I only read the first issue or two and gave up on it. But... I read three issues, because uh-huh. that seemed fitting. But... I, yeah, it's something that's continued through, but to my knowledge, this is the first time. But there, it might have been in mentioning that. This so maybe was the this, before, maybe before know. then, it was just kind of a you know fans would refer to them as the Trinity, and and someone decided to make it a thing in the DC universe. Does Brad Brad Meltzer, I assume, doesn't address that part. Uh, he does not in his intro. But what I was going to say. Well, yes. Sorry uh, for the digression was that if you're going to read this, I would highly recommend reading this introduction after reading the comic because it was effectively a two-page spoiler. Oh, jeez. Uh, right before. It really should just be an afterword, which... Right, why not? 
Right. Why not put afterwards instead of introductions? I always, and here's an interesting thing. I prefer afterwards to introductions as a rule because a good introduction doesn't spoil anything about a book, but also can't really say anything. It's right. just singing so the praises. So why do you need to read it? Unless it's supposed to convince you to read it. Right. Like, I don't I know if I want to read this. It. I'll read the introduction. And but anymore, if you buy a graphic novel or a comic, you basically have to buy it before you could read the introduction right. anyways. So I think an afterward, like in this case, this would be a good afterward, just printed on the mm-hmm. other end of the book. It would add something like highlighting certain things you may or may not have missed or paid as much attention to, but it digs in on something in the comic that right. m- might have you revisit or reinterpret something you just read with a little more interest right or give you either that or give you some interesting behind the scenes this is why we did yeah it this way or that way or and and that way you don't have to worry about ruining the experience right before someone reads it which is an extremely good point and to me that just makes sense also you know we're here and you know i listen to a ton of comic podcasts youtube whatever which is a lot of personal non-connected afterwards in a lot of ways and so I, just a weird preference that I locked onto having right. read this poorly done introduction. Yeah. I mean, I think I would still have enjoyed this had it been spoiled because I don't think it, it hinges on its plot points as right. much as the pleasures of it don't hinge on its plot points. Shall I give a sort of really short plot summary, in fact? Yeah, that would be great. I mean, basically... Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are drawn together by crimes being committed by um, uh, Ross Agul. Ross on this podcast. Rosh, okay. Raish. I, I have always said Roz. Roz. Okay, Roz Agul. There's no H. And, um, and, and, and his helper, Bizarro, who he's convinced that they should be friends. So he's convinced Bizarro that they should be friends and... They're stealing nuclear missiles, basically, and a series of events just brings together first Wonder Woman and Superman, and then Batman gets into the mix, and they have a series of tussles with each other. A little bit with each other, mostly, yeah. though, with Ross and his helpers, and then they, which includes a, um, a young teenage Amazonian who's not from Themyscira, I guess. No, she is. Artemis. They, Artemis. They say she's not, or the Queen Hippolyta says she's from a different branch of the Amazonians that didn't leave men's world. Oh, I, that yeah. part. Was Artemis confused. said a different thing, so I was taking yeah, Artemis at her word. That's true. It sounded like, anyway. Um, so and and it kind of climaxes or semi. I forget if it's the climax. There's a big battle at Themyscira, which I don't feel like I've ever seen that before. Um, yeah. In my own reading, um, you know, with a bunch of helicopters attacking Themyscira. But what we kind of glazed over there is that this is supposed to be the first meeting of uh, not Batman and Superman. That's already established. Right. But for the rest of them, this of is the them first to time meet Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman and Wonder Woman to meet them. Right. And um, and so it kind of has a feel like it's kind of in the modern times and kind of in the 40s. Yeah, it has kind of a retro look, but obviously there's nuclear missiles and submarine, nuclear submarines, and attack helicopters. I don't know what those kind of helicopters are called, but modern-looking military helicopters. So, but it, it also it has that pleasure of, especially to me, uh, Batman and Superman had a very retro feel in it. Right. This this is playing to different versions of the characters than what we get 
nowadays, which was right. an interesting. But also, I mean, this is Matt Wagner's aside story, so these were also slightly different than right. It's the a bit of an else. Their... It's not labeled an Elseworlds, but it's it's definitely a reimagining yeah. rather than a canon kind of. Thing. It's not really an Elseworlds though, because there's not some big like these. There's not some big difference between the regular. Yeah. You know, there's no Dracula or uh, the mob rules the country or Red whatever. Sun thing on yeah. it, yeah. But it's. I don't think it's totally in continuity and then artemis who throughout most of it we don't know her name is artemis um and i'm not well versed on artemis so i didn't guess that it was her but she kind of dresses punky which also is an interesting mix between mm-hmm. and she's supposed to be younger whereas normally she's viewed as more one of the older ones on the island so it was but i like the idea yeah. of it like if you take out the idea of if you like artemis as a character and just treated this as a different Amazonian who kind of cast herself out of the island. I like the idea of this, of someone who wasn't really jiving with all the love and peace on the island and was much more looking right. for a fight, wanting to live their own way and not be so beholden right. to everyone around them, but more of an individual as opposed to part of this big communal thing. I, I just thought it was an interesting way to bring in a character that would be a good villain for Wonder Woman. Right. Well, she was one of the most interesting elements. I felt underplayed in the end like mm-hmm. she turns a big spoiler i guess she turns on razagul racial ross i say ross but she turns on ross mr agul at the end or near the end but we didn't get enough of build up for her doubts about ross agul to grow i i just felt like there needed to be more artemis than there actually turned out to be Right. Towards well, the end of the story. So there's a definite play here, and it's shown in Brad Meltzer's introduction. where oh, Which I should read, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot of play on Superman and Batman, and that is really where a lot of the focus is. And Wonder uh-huh. Woman's really kind of the outsider here. And her, it, in a lot of ways, the story doesn't know what to do with her, and these characters don't know what to do with her. And there's a, there's some old school view of her being the woman in this really i didn't pick up on that so much oh yeah um so there's a whole thing with uh superman when he sees her the first time you know lois you're the you know the most wonderful, right or not wonderful but you know you're the most and the but this is some other creature and batman can't help but kiss wonder woman at one point and wonder woman is viewed but i thought that was kind of cool i mean you're meeting someone who's kind of a goddess instead of a regular woman Right. And so the regular men can't quite control their feelings around. I thought that was a good touch. I didn't feel that was sexist. I, I don't feel it's sexist. It's just kind of old school the way they're uh-huh. playing her. And also the way Wonder Woman's playing against them is like, oh, men. And oh, men right. are so simple. And then later, oh, men are so complicated because uh-huh. Batman. Right. Kind That's of... kind of old fashioned, simplistic view of things. But I like the portrayal of Wonder Woman as being kind of superior to them all. Yeah, I think it's it, it to me in the normal you know course of like the Justice League and normal comics that the three of them are peers and just purely on the same level just feels wrong. And this each one of them was at a different level. I mean, Batman was on a a, a very different type of hero than the other two, and Superman is willing to put up with his bad behavior, and Wonder Woman does not want to put up with. I'm putting in air quotes bad behavior of Batman, who is more of your 
violent vigilante. I mean, he actually punches people for fun at times. Well, and the way they portray Batman here is fascinating to me because Batman, there's one panel in particular where they draw Batman like Spawn. By them, I mean, obviously, Matt Wagner. Matt Wagner did both the art and the writing. I don't know if we mentioned that before. And so there's one panel where he looks like Spawn, but he's, he's portrayed to be much darker here in contrast to superman and wonder woman and they even they have a bit with superman wonder woman where wonder woman's asking superman you know why do you put up with him and superman saying you know i wasn't okay with him at first but then i put myself in his shoes if i was just a normal man how would i do any of this how could i couldn't do the things i do and it was an interesting play of like how do you make superman okay with batman when batman's more the Dark Knight than we've seen really in many in, years. In normal comics, they don't deal with that. They just somehow. I mean, I think I think any kind of Trinity as this or the Justice League ought to be a very uneasy alliance. All three of them do come from very different places, and, right? And while we view them as superheroes, I don't particularly Wonder Woman. I don't think views herself as a superhero. She's something else, and so I liked that feeling about her in this book. And what's fun, too, about this book is it's their first meeting on this level, and there's a lot of unease that you can do with that story, and, and it plays it right, and it works in a way that these characters are bouncing off of each other, and that's really the heart of the story, whereas, you know, at this point, you read a Tom King Batman, and Superman's just okay with Catwoman hanging around without right, any question. Right. There, there's no tension, so there's no story. And here yeah. there's just enough tension where they're working together. They're not sure. And you can see where one views a mistake where the other views a success or that sort of thing. You know, right. they don't have good team cohesion and that's more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really do wish that the normal, the norm between them was more like this than it is in regular comics. And that's the other thing too. Like if there's any way to set aside personal taste and whatnot, like, this comic going through is basically like a perfect comic. Like there's no bubble wasted. There's no panel wasted. The really? Spreads okay. are everywhere they need to be. I feel to like set up the moments. And whatnot. Like this is technically sound comic from uh-huh. beginning to end on that level. I thought it got a little, I mean, I liked it overall, but I thought there were moments where it kind of sagged and I got a little bored feeling. Um, Maybe trying to you know read it all in one sitting rather than three chapters. And if I had any complaint over the version I read is that there were no chapter breaks. Um, I felt I needed more resting points. So I would have got that if I was reading in the original three issues. You Gen Xers just don't have the attention yeah, span. <laughs> I don't have the attention span. It's too much, too many video games and YouTube. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, like. They kind of defeat Ra's al Ghul, and then there's kind of a round two, and it kind of sagged for me a bit there. Right. And I felt there were some other times where it, I don't know, I can't pinpoint those exact moments. Right. Um, so I talk- loved the art, but I don't know if everybody would love the art. Uh, if you don't love this art, I don't know what you're doing reading <laughs> superhero comics. Well, but some people like a much more detailed feather, you know, like say a Jim Lee style, but that's not the only example I could come up with, but it's the opposite of that kind of thing. It, it bears to me, it has a little bit resemblance to the, the pared down Frank Miller style, a little bit of, um, 
that 1940s kind of art style. I, I got more of a Bruce Tim vibe than I got a Frank Miller vibe from this. But I mean, this is also now that I've read enough, like this is Matt Wagner to me. And you got a Bruce is... Tim vibe in the art. Yeah. I, this felt a bit Bruce Tim reminded me of the old Justice uh-huh. League cartoon in a way. I guess in that both of them are drawing a bit on on the tradition of the 40s stuff. But to me, the Bruce Tim art has way more of a, um, I don't know, it's it's lighter and less inky and shadowy. Um, You're right. But what pulls it away from being for Frank Miller to me is it's too consistent. I mean, like that page you have it open to right now, that panel looks very Frank Miller to me. With the, Page 125 with uh, Wonder Woman <laughs> getting uh, is that whipped by uh, the... But uh, all over the place. Now I'm looking at, well, my in my version is page 83. That Look at that. That looks extremely Frank Miller to me. It's all Well, that's the one I said that looked like Spawn. And stuff. <laughs> that's that page where you have that face with the grit yeah, teeth. Yeah, well, the, maybe that's Spawn eyes. got that from Frank Miller then, because that looks Frank maybe. Miller to me. I mean, but but that's the one page that they're really pulling the Dark Knight. Yeah, but even the portrayal of Superman kind of reminds me of when Frank Miller did a little bit of Superman. But then it will go from, mm. to, for me, anyway, we, we see the art differently. But there's people who like a more rendered, realistic kind of art, and this is a little bit more on the um, comic book expressionist. Stuff. It's almost like... Um, you know, what's that film style called? The German Expressionism or something with a lot of shadows in the old black and white movies. Noir? It's in color, though. That's French. Yeah, kind of like noir films. Okay, so we talked a lot about the heroes and how that plays because that is the focus. But I was curious because I know you have a, a a certain love for Bizarro. And I was wondering how you liked Bizarro in this comic. So there's multiple versions of Bizarro out there. And they seem to just throw him around back and forth. Like sometimes he comes from another dimension or another planet. He mm-hmm. comes from this square-shaped Earth that's Earth spelled backwards or something like that. Ugh, and, okay. um, and other times he's a creation of Lex Luthor from a, a, a botched clone of Superman. And I guess that's what this version is. Uh, I didn't find this a particularly interesting version of Bizarro. He was more a... There were some cool touches, like... The fact that sunlight hurts him mm-hmm. versus, although I don't know if that was used consistently, wouldn't he just be in pain then well, every time he flew the red during sunlight daytime? That the sunlight that would depower Superman like hurt him. Actively, oh, I thought it was, it was regular yellow sunlight. Or oh, maybe maybe I, I need to look find that scene. But eventually, Batman blinds him by shining lights from his. Special fist lights. <laughs> He's punching him and shining lights in his face at the same well, time. Well, it's like a, it's like all the light of a star exploding happening all at once right in his eyes. It was basically... And it's, they kind of play up the fact that Bizarro looks kind of like he might be made of crystals. So it's almost like it crystal, turns his eyes fully into crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Superman chops off his crystal hand, which I thought was a right. bit odd. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a bit odd. But I took that as him willing to do slightly more extreme things for the needs of the time, needing a threat that put him on a level the way Batman treats most people that he runs into. Which is funny, because uh-huh. Batman was the most effective against Bizarro. Right. Well, Batman had prepared for Bizarro and sort of understood the science of Bizarro somehow. Uh, that... Bizarro breaks Wonder Woman's rope 
And that puzzled me. Because it's supposed to be magically unbreakable. Right. And Superman can't fight magic. Can Bizarro defeat magic because he's reverse Superman? I, I wasn't clear on that, but... I think that's roughly the idea, because that's the sort of logic that holds throughout this Trinity comic. It's very detailed in what would work or what the opposite would work across these different characters. And so there's a reason that it's Roz, Bizarro, and Artemis, as they're all the darker versions of these three characters. In some uh -huh. ways, the fears of what the other characters see in the other hero is represented by the villain. And because of that, I think they're able to come together because that dark reflection creates an understanding. Though they, they don't maybe play uh, Mr. Owl and Batman as tightly as they could have in this comic uh -huh. to create that comparison, which I think was something this was missing. Yeah. But I was also happy to step away from Batman as much because we've got three other entries of Matt Wagner Batman comics that are these great tales, all of them worth the read. So you're saying that you're talking about the fact there are th two other or three other... Three other. Short series that Matt Wagner did involving Batman. One was... Yeah. There's the a Mad Men, there's, the Monster Men, Batman there's and the Monster Men. There's um, something about Two Face. Yeah, there's Two Face, and I, I'm spacing what the other one is currently. I had it last night when we were talking, but he hasn't done an, a Wonder Woman or a Superman aside right. from this. And so, seeing his take on these other characters was more of what I was coming to this book uh -huh. excited about, and it delivered. Right. Well, and I think it really delivered on the three, you know, an interesting take on the three of them. Yeah. Now, so I've tried the Trinity that came out in um, Rebirth, but okay. sometime before New 52, there was also a Trinity, which I haven't read yet. Did you try any of that? Yeah, that... <sighs> was that Jeff Loeb or was that someone else? No, Jeff Loeb did a Batman Superman series, right? Yeah, and, then, and that was one of the most. That's one of the most beloved runs DC's done oh, okay. in a while. Um, but um, the the Trinity book, I'm trying to remember the talent on it, and it's not. I, I'd have to look it up. I don't have a okay. computer in front of me like normally. I uh, do. Oh, I have an iPad. In front okay, of me. but that run was that was playing around um, what was happening during the. Because DC had this bit where one month all their comics skipped ahead a year. And they, the idea was in that year, the main heroes left. So Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman basically took a year off along with a handful of other characters or what happened to other characters was filled in as we went along. But Trinity came out in that era where DC kept trying to play up the other characters. In order to do that, they felt they had to take the Trinity off the board. And so the Trinity comic wasn't really about Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, but if you like amalgamated them or like put them in different situations, or it was this very like multiverse and bizarre comic that I didn't follow through to the end, so I don't know everywhere it went, but it was a poorly rendered, not well executed to at least many's opinion uh -huh. comic that I don't think many people would bother to revisit it looks like kurt busiak and fabian nicienza nicienza i believe we both wrote the first trinity and it says here it involved morgan lefay yeah um, which is interesting <laughs> yeah. I, I you know and i love a lot of busiak comics i love a lot of nicaza comics that just just didn't work wasn't one of them there's a lot of art on it, though, and that was a book that came out weekly. 
Oh, really? Wow. Because that was back so they when were DC was doing the... Yeah, that's back when DC had some yearly book that they were pushing pretty much like every year. 52 or something. Yeah, 52 was the first, and then... I, Countdown? Yeah, Countdown. I think Trinity was the third. Okay. And then for a while, they ha- they split it, so it was Brightest Day. So did and Trinity come out Lost. every week for a whole year? Yeah. Wow. 52 issues. Huh. And they've done a few, I like really Batman Eternal. I really was not reading any DC at that particular juncture. Yeah. Which really wasn't that. It was about 10 years ago. So I don't, I mean, it kind of makes me curious how other, it sounds like that one wasn't very good, but it makes me curious how other people handle the Trinity idea. And I've been curious to go back to the Rebirth one now that it's probably in some bargain bins and whatnot, but I just haven't gone there yet. Well, it I think relatively it was, recent. was it written by Francis Manipool? And yeah. I don't, I mean, I, every book I've written that's read that's been written or co-written by Francis Manipool has been okay, but not. I like this flash run. Did you read the whole flash run that he did? I think so. Because I thought it kind of sputtered. It, it got interesting, then kind of sputtered out. That's my impression of. And then I then he did a detective comics run that, to me, never quite gelled. I, yeah, I liked his flash more than his detective, and I also, I mean, part of it too was he he did art on some stuff, and I always thought him going to writing versus his art wasn't. Well, I think on Trinity he was doing some of the art, or was someone else doing the art? I have no idea. I know he did some of the flash books, and I always preferred him as an artist to a writer. Even though I like some of his writing, his art was... And it looks like eventually, according to Wikipedia, that after Manipool, Rob Williams came in, who's a writer I barely know who he is, and then James Robinson came in, who, who seems who, a once great writer who seems to just fill in for other people when no one else wants to do the book or something or while they're waiting for their good writer to come along. Um, that's very cruel of me, but <laughs> I mean, he does do a lot of like in between stuff. Yeah. That's not to say it's or good stuff or bad. That, it's well, just, it's what he's and doing. I think a lot. his stuff has been less inspired of the last book I read by him that I liked was when he was doing, um, what was it called? Earth two, I guess it was called the justice society kind of book. Oh man. During I, new 52. Justice Society is something I feel like I'm building to. Like, I need to go back and read a lot of JSA, and I'm like... I've read very little of JSA. Hopping down smaller uh-huh. things before I try to tackle a new, you know, pantheon of characters and decades of lore. I, I love it, but sometimes you gotta get in the right mental place. Yeah. But anyway, oh. when it, when he did Earth 2, it was a start... You know, it was New 52. You could start right there, and so that's what I did, and... And it seemed like James Robinson was doing pretty good on that, but then he got he left DC in a huff, I think. Over DC was having a lot of editorial problems during New Fifty Two, and a lot of writers got mad at them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and Re- then related, Tom Taylor took over, and it got even better. <laughs> related to Trinity, um, when I was a kid, because in continuity for a while, it was that the JSA predated the justice league so all these weird jsa characters came out before superman batman but i had read that superman came out first and whatnot and i got in my head that (laughs) it wasn't that that the jsa characters did come first it was just superman was the first really popular because i character but originally the jsa was on another in another universe where the dc age of heroes started in 1938 whereas 
the one in our universe started a few years ago. And from when you have access to Wikipedia, it's really easy to figure this out. But when <laughs> right, you, don't, you don't, and yeah. I'm reading stuff and I'm taking information, so I knew enough to know that Superman wasn't actually the first comic book character, uh-huh. and so, but that he was kind of a breakout character. And so I took I took in all these data points of continuity and reality, and meshed into. <laughs> A, a false reality, but that I believe to be true for years. And since a lot of my friends looked up to me for comic knowledge at the time. <laughs> you were spreading this false yeah, knowledge. <laughs> I, I was spreading all, yeah, completely wrong information. But for the longest time, I thought Superman did, in fact, come before, or Superman came after the JSA, which was funny because when I saw Superman on the JSA, uh-huh, right. that threw me through a hole. And would that be the Superman with the gray temples? And stuff. Yeah. At some points, anyway, the Superman in the JSA was an older guy. Right. And I had to reconcile all this with the fact that one of the few comics my mom read was Superboy, which would go to the Legion. And so figuring out, you know, the past, the modern, and then the future of DC was this whole weird thing that I didn't care too much about because it didn't have Spider-Man. So, Well, DC is super confusing because basically until maybe the late 70s or early 80s, they did not have continuity. (laughs) <laughs> so you've got, what does that make? Like uh, 30 years of non-contiguous story that then people still reference back to, but there was really no thought or attempt at continuity in DC. If, For instance, my daughter and I read Silver Age, Supergirl, and Superman, and in that, there's a city called Atlantis that's filled with mermaids, and there's no mention of Aquaman's Atlantis. But then if you were reading the Justice League at the same time, you'd be hearing about Aquaman's Atlantis full of people with legs. <laughs> huh. And no one cared. I mean, there was no connection between things except when someone randomly decided to make a connection. So then you get something like the JSA that I think they started in the late 70s giving it its own comic. And they started trying... I think it's the late 70s when they started trying to make things continuous and somehow stretch back to the past. So it's a fun jumble when you think about it, but Marvel started with having a semblance of continuity from the very beginning, right? Spider-Man meets the Fantastic Four in his first solo issue. Isn't that right? Well, Amazing Fans, or Amazing Spider-Man 1, yes. Right. His first title. Yeah. His first issue. So a very early issue. Um, and the And of course, the... Submariner shows up in Fantastic Four number four, I believe. And so the continuity is launched very early on. Well, when it's Marvel, but they were also pulling stuff from Timely. So how you want to view right. that is a little... Right. There was then a lot of the... So Stan Lee would draw things out like Submariner. And he would... When he brought back Captain America... Matt's laughing at me because I'm diverging so far, but I don't care. Um, (laughs) When he brought back Captain America, he pretended Captain America died at the end of World War II, even though Marvel had published Captain America in the 50s. And so then later generations of writers who were fans like Roy Thomas and Steve Englehart and Jerry Conway would go back and try to make complicated stories that would explain these discontinuities. Which, for instance, for Captain America, you had that there was a different Captain America in the 1950s who got plastic surgery to look like Steve Rogers because he was so obsessed with Steve Rogers. And then he went in and he was fighting communists and he absorbed the, the flawed super soldier serum that he had taken, made him go crazy. And he absorbed the kind of 
50s racism of anti-communism and came back in the 70s beating up black people in the ghetto until Captain, the real Captain America defeated him. But those were all... There were lots of stories like that where they were trying to fix Stan Lee's continuity glitches because they loved the continuity so much. And I don't know if anyone cares about DC that way, but... <laughs> I was going to say, the whole reason they brought up Trinity was so we get away <laughs> from Marvel because we got comments about it. So, um, Well, then it's been on my to-read pile for yeah. many a year. And... But I think the wonderful thing about DC, actually, is books like this. I, At least I, as an older reader... Can, and I've sort of grew up with whenever I dabbled in DC, there was it was kind of clear to me pretty quickly. This is not like Marvel; everything kind of restarts at the beginning of each issue in a certain way. Um, so I, I never had your confusion. I mean, I think your confusion was kind of cool, but DC can give us all these alternate takes on their heroes, with most of the readers being able to just go with it. Mm-hmm. Every time they, like when you on your other podcast were talking about an India version of Spider-Man, some part of me said, no, it's got to be like Peter Parker. But if it happened in DC, I'd totally accept it right away. And so the next one, or the one that just came out, was about a Spider-Man manga where it's a completely Uh different guy, where they had a completely different name for the Mm Spider-Man, Yui, um, or Yu. And Yui was his name. Well, it's or U-I, U-I, but I don't know how you actually pronounce uh, it because I'm terrible right. at Japanese. Who knows how to pronounce Yui? No one. Uh, my wife's gonna yell at me later. Um, but <laughs> maybe just Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Is his last name Parker? Ooh, Parker. No, no, no. There's. It's just a completely different name, and uh. they don't really focus on the spider stuff too much with him, which is interesting. But I mean, it's a completely different take on the character, but it has all the dressing and a lot of the morality and soap uh-huh. opera that makes spider-man spider-man so all the like composite stuff is there but it's a completely different culture whereas the india one is peter parkour like right. very like the names are all too on the nose everything then it so... focused on fate and things like that and yeah, destiny and... rather than on responsibility and and so it just didn't feel right but i mean when you get these alternate versions because you do get a lot more alternate versions of uh, batman or superman or even wonder woman they do feel more closer to the core but it's interesting to see with a batman elseworlds how many drop bruce wayne completely and you don't really care or notice because that's not necessary to tell a good batman story right but that's part of the what people point to with dc versus marvel is i mean with marvel it's the character in and out of the costume whereas dc you're you know a good superman comic often doesn't really need clark kent right although i kind of miss it in modern comics there seems to be less clark kent less bruce certainly a lot less bruce wayne most of the time yeah, well, the way we view rich people. <laughs> but, um, I mean, there was a point in which I remember reading comics where, you know, Bruce Wayne had a love life and would go to parties and stuff. And now that's just sort of so far in the background. Um, except, well, most recently his love life with Catwoman. But, um, but it's not Bruce Wayne's love life. It's Batman's love life. Anyway, uh, does that mean he gets to have a two wives? One and just is Bruce Wayne, you know, just is... the fact that these three are called the Trinity. There's just more of them being archetypes than being real human beings. Often, right. although it's fun seeing them being different human beings, but I mean, real human beings, but they're different human beings from different writers. And when Marvel does that, it bothers me. I want Peter Parker to be a consistent character throughout. Yeah, um, even though he's been around now for 
50, 56 years, I guess. Well, it's funny though, because there's a lot of consensus around like, what are the good Peter Parker stories? And what are the ones where Peter Parker doesn't feel like Peter Parker right. at all? And even throughout the years and the characters change, but like, Peter Parker in the 90s feels a certain way. Peter Parker in the 80s or 70s feels right. a certain way. But, like, there's a consistency. and It's not easy to define, but you know when it's right. not there. Right. Whereas, like, Clark Kent, uh, very different throughout the decades, too. But he's such a cartoon character yeah. in so many ways. It, it's a lot easier to pinpoint when it feels like him and when it doesn't. And people are okay when it doesn't feel like that old Clark Kent because it's too goofball for the darker comics of today. Right. At least for me, I'll go in and say, okay, what kind of Clark Kent is this person doing? If they don't even try to do anything with Clark Kent, I'm a little disappointed. But I don't expect it to be absolutely the same Clark Kent as I read somewhere else. Well, and what's funny to me is you can almost tell what they're going to do with Clark Kent, whether or not he has a hat on or not. <laughs> If they're going to go retro, he's going to have a yeah. hat. Like in Trinity here, he had a hat, and that right. informed a lot about what they were putting. Although, like you said, this was kind of a modern 40s. retro. Yeah. Also, um, in the back of my printing here, uh -huh. there's a list for each character of other you know comics to read in the back. And I was just looking over this list, and I feel like this paints a picture of the Batman they wanted, the Superman they wanted, and the Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman's harder, because I don't feel like she's had the library the other two characters uh -huh. have gotten do you want to read us some samples because i don't have that version right so i mean batman uh, is a pretty telling but pretty obvious list i feel though it's funny to me the first one's arkham asylum uh but then it moves killing joke dark knight returns dark knight strikes again i find funny um and then dark victory long halloween but then war on crime is the one on here that i've never I, heard of that one it was a Dini uh, Ross. Oh, it's okay. it, it's that big, uh, oversized, oh, the oversized Batman book. Yeah. Are those even? They're not really comic books, right? There's like prose and pictures. At least the Superman one I have is like. Oh, you're getting to a weird definition of comics, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's not like your standard comic. It's more yeah. like an illustrated essay on. Well, the one I have on yeah. Superman was like an illustrated essay on Superman. Yeah, it's like that. Um, and then Year One. Uh. Um. I would put year one at the top of any list, not the bottom. <laughs> well, year two is what you put on the top of any Batman uh, list. What about year history. three? <laughs> I haven't read that one. I just noticed year three in some bins I was looking through. On That's telling. Sales. I did not buy them, but they were in the cheap bins. <laughs> I haven't even read year two yet, although I know you recommend it highly. Um, so for Superman, we got Critical Condition with various writers and artists. I don't know what that one even is. I never heard of it. It must have been new at the time. And then you have your Trinity of Death and then World Without Return of. Trinity of Death? Uh, the three books that are always sold as the Death of Superman. Oh, oh the Death of yeah. Superman trilogy. Okay. Yeah. Um, Superman Endgame, which was, I know, part of the modern stuff that was just coming out when this mm -hmm. was released. Um, Superman for All Seasons, certainly. Right. Uh, no Limits, Place on Earth. Uh, President Lex is on here, which I do love that one. Uh -huh. Totally I'd agree. i to try that. And then there's a Tell Death to Us part from... No All-Stars. Oh, All-Star Superman hadn't come out yet. Yeah, no. Duh. I was about to say that that's the one definitely missing from the list, but it didn't <laughs> exist yet, so you can't blame him. Right. Uh, the Wonder Woman was more interesting to me because I want to look some of these up because I've been looking for more classic Wonder Woman stories, and it's harder to find what people would point right. to for that. Um, the first one is the contest, 
which has some names on here like Mike Dodeo Jr. that I don't really know that well. Mike Dodato Jr. He's mm-hmm. a big Marvel artist now. You oh. don't know. You were making fun of him just yesterday. I make fun of a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was the one I was saying, oh, they'll put him on for a few issues to get the fans excited and then pull him off. Oh, okay. Um, we have I one pronounce with... it Diodato. That might be the wrong pronunciation. Oh, I thought you were talking about Dan DiDio. No. And... <laughs> on Marvel Comics? <laughs> I yeah, he's a big Marvel artist. I thought you were just talking. Uh. He'd had a lot of beers. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. So who else is on it besides Diodato? I'm wondering who the writer was on that. William Messner Loeb's. Yes. Ah, okay. He was wow. a he was a big uh, writer at DC in the 80s. Oh. Okay. And is now homeless and has a GoFundMe. Huh. So that's where a big comic book career gets you. Wow. Sorry, onwards. Other, um, uh, Wonder Woman. Gods and Mortals, which was part of the jo- uh, George Prez run. So right. probably read. Gods and um, Mortals, I think, was like a, a side thing from like an event kind of comic that no. st- stood alone. I'll have to look it or up. Or maybe that was something else. I think For so. my money, George Prez Wonder Woman is the only Wonder Woman and everything else can just uh-huh. languish after. Um, there's the Hyetica with Rucka, which people love to point to, and it's... I haven't read any Rucka Wonder Woman. I've if you're going to read one, Rucka read that Avoidance one. lately, but... Yeah, well, who can blame that's you? That's old, but... <laughs> um, Lifelines with John Byrne, which... I John sh- Byrne, you mean? John Byrne, uh, yeah. yeah. John Byrne had a Wonder Woman run that I've just read a few issues of, and okay. I liked the art, although I know a lot of people don't like later Byrne art, but I... The story seemed very stupid to me on the few issues I read. But mm. anyway. Um, Paradise Found with Phil Jimenez. Uh-huh. Uh, Paradise Lost with Phil Jimenez. Uh-huh. Uh, so, sure, I, I like Phil Jimenez yeah. overall, so I'll definitely check that out. Um, John Byrne with Second Genesis. And then the similar to that uh, Batman we were talking about, the essay kind of one, uh-huh. uh, Spirit of Truth. So, okay. Which I yeah. could leave that, but... That probably also was fairly recent at the time. Right. And so I think those lists point to a kind of era and interpretation of these characters that was held in this book that might, that rules out some of the more divergent stuff. It's kind of an 80s and 90s list. Right. And unlike, I mean, DC was better in the 90s than Marvel. Um, I don't think people go very much back whoa, to much whoa, 90s whoa, Marvel as classic examples of that. We're crossing some lines here. <laughs> well, perhaps you go for your classic uh, Captain America to some uh, 90s I Captain like America. some 90s Captain America. I like a lot of 90s X-Men. I like a lot of 90s Spider-Man. Really? Well, maybe 90s Spider-Man. But 90s X-Men I'm, I'm had a... list. Had a... Um, Operation Zero Tolerance, a bunch of other fun things. I mean, looking at this list now, I can only kind of agree with the Batman list. Really? The Wonder Woman should have a lot more George Perez. Well. And, um, well, I have no, I have no idea about William Messner Loeb's. I, I think the Wonder problem... Woman is just very hard because there wasn't like a, other than George Perez, there wasn't like a sustained creator who really put his stamp on or her stamp on wonder woman in a long running kind of way that each each version of wonder woman just seems replaced by the next right 
And I think the problem with putting Perez on that list is as great as a run as it is, mm-hmm. it's a run that reads like a TV show and you can't just pop in. You can't pop in a graphic novel, which is why they used that Gods and Monsters one, which was was done as like a four-issue series or something separate. Yeah. Yeah, you would just have to say the whole run of George Perez and not include anything else. But I mean, that points people to something they should read, so why right. not? <laughs> well, um, I mean, now I would put the the Cliff Chang, Brian Azzarello run, but again, that's there's not like a five or ten issue thing they can have as the one classic. Oh, I actually... Because uh, that was like 36 issues, basically, all one story. Right. I got to talk to Azarello really briefly at a con recently, oh. and I asked him because uh, I was at a different panel years before when that run was coming out, and I asked Phil Jimenez what he thought about you know the current new 52 Wonder right. Woman at the time because it was this whole new direction. It felt like it was going to carry more weight than it ultimately did. And he just said that... That's a run for people who hate Wonder Woman. <laughs> and I asked Azarello what he thought about that. Like, if he knew that Jimenez, um, this famous Wonder Woman creator, you know, had this. He's like, oh, yeah, we're friends. I know he hates the run, but we're good with each other. And I was just like, did he say okay. that he hates Wonder Woman? Does he agree yeah. it's a run for people who hate? Wonder oh, no, no, no. Yeah. But like, he knew that he hated the uh-huh. run. And he just made it like, you know, we, we disagree about each other's work, but but we're good and whatnot. And it was just such a like human response. That, for whatever reason, I had this vision of Azarello being this really surly guy that always right. had a glass of whiskey and a there's cigar. There's interviews I've heard of him on podcasts where he's like almost basically acting like, I don't want to be here at this interview and your questions are stupid. Right. Uh, but he was, he was just really friendly, but he knew he had some divisive stuff and he just uh-huh. wasn't going to make hay right. about it. And I just, but I, I think I the, the people who object to that is, is the, the way Azarello undid the mythology and then redid the mythology of Wonder Woman, making her the daughter of Zeus and taking away sort of the separateness of wonder woman from the male world the male world of greek mythology i guess my response to that is if you like a run of wonder woman which one did you like that undid the mythology and redid it in the way (laughs) that you enjoyed and not to say that that's not a valid reason not like azrael's but you need to understand any run of wonder woman that's lasted more than a handful of issues essentially has done that that's my favorite run of wonder woman i'm not saying that's my criticism i certainly oh no to me, the Azarello Chang run of Wonder Woman is like the Vertigo version of Wonder Woman. It's mythic and horrific and kind of stands on its own sort of outside the DC universe. Again, like many of these things do. And only 100 bolts were fired, right? Oh, that's a Brian Azarello reference. I don't remember many bullets being fired at all. It, it totally focused on... Azarello's vision of her role in Greek mythology, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I thought it was... I mean, it's a great run, and if you compare that with the Perez run, I think you get a scope of Wonder Woman the way we get a scope of Superman or Batman. Right, right. You know, that fits. Maybe if the Wonder Woman had been called, you know, Wonder Woman Elseworlds Olympus or something like that, then people wouldn't have been so upset about it. Well... Also, if it was before Twitter, people wouldn't have been as upset well, about yeah. it. But no, a lot of uh, hardcore Wonder Woman fans that I followed on YouTube complained about it. Like, 
Like me. Cammy, reader seventeen seventeen. Did you complain about it? I think I did at first. Then oh, I, okay. I, I got pushed to read it again by uh, Ghost Critic and uh, Minutia Minute. Huh. Yeah, I think I, from very start, thought it was like the pinnacle of New 52. But and then it's kind of back, overshadowed by the, the bad comics that came after their 36 issues made people kind of forget that that was like the masterpiece of the new 52. Although some people remember because it's come out in absolute editions now, which is a sign that there must be a market for it. I mean, it was definitely one of the highlights of the new 52, though I think the uh, Batman and Robin highlight run might be my favorite bit from that era. I would argue that that was very good, but it was choppy because it was interfered with by a lot of events, you know, death in the family or killing off of Robin by Grant Morrison. See, I wasn't convinced it was great until the way they handled the death of Robin. Uh, I like the way they, I mean, they handled the death of Robin better than anything else, but, and then they handled bringing back Robin. Well, it kind of got a bit slowed down there and then it got good again. I didn't like super Robin. No, I did like Super Robin. I got tired of the Batman teaming up with all the other people trying to deal with Robin's death. That was good, but then it went on too long, maybe. The Brave and the Bold. There was a lot of... uh, There was some kind of stretch. Yeah, it was like Brave and the Bold for a little while. Anyway, so it's... I think both of us recommend Trinity. Yeah, no. Do you think it could be your first DC comic? Who? Work for someone who never read DC before. Well, luckily, no one in our audience is that person, so I don't have to consider this (laughs) with too much weight. But, I mean, if this was your first DC comic, I I think it would introduce you to a lot and be good. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't think of another comic I'd put in someone's hand as a first DC comic introduction that would be stronger than this. Yeah, I think it would. And it would work also for someone who doesn't really want to plunge into DC full bore, but just wants a taste of, you know, Superman, Batman, and and uh, Wonder Woman working together. Especially because this is a book you can hand someone and they can be done with it, but they get a grander picture and right. it could interest them to read more, but it also lets them, what what they read next would be whatever piqued their interest the most. Yeah. I think the one confusing part might be, who is this Rasa Ghoul? I don't know if they explain him as thoroughly. Well. For, a, for someone who knows nothing, because he's such a long-running Batman character. Yeah, but I mean, I assume they're going to have an idea because yeah. presumably They'll they've seen out. Batman yeah. Begins or yeah. whatever. But yeah, so I think it's it's both. I mean, amazingly, it's a good book for people like us who've read a ton and for maybe someone who hasn't read very much. Right. So it's fresh enough and yet covers the basics in a good way. Yeah, no, I, I think this is strong. And I, I'm just finding uh, Matt Wagner is a creator that doesn't do wrong i guess though i need to read grendel before i say that with uh, confidence and despite the title trinity you don't need to know anything about the catholic church or catholic dogma to uh, read it it's not the holy trinity (laughs) could be confusing though (laughs) i did that didn't even pop into my head there's trinity college or there's all kinds of things catholic things with the word trinity in it so that's where my mind went immediately having been brought up catholic Okay, well, great. Um, We don't actually know what we're going to do next, but it could be something by Will Eisner or Conan. By Conan? Something written by Conan. Looking forward to that. By this sword, I slash your head off. (laughs) Derek.
comic just carved out of oh, the paper. Yes, and then... with a sword. <laughs> uh, poor Conan is just not a verbal guy. Okay, we'll <laughs> see you all next time. We never stay dead. <laughs>